and the questions of answers are all um, supportive of and giving uh, or giving direct reference to Krishna as that topmost manifestation uh, of divinity. So, Krishna is the subject of the Bhagavat's major dialogues. Anuchetas 44 through 73, quite an extensive section uh, of the Krishna Sandarbha dealing with this subject. And then we continue on later in the last two divisions of his fourfold army uh, with hermeneutics, or actually the linguistic presentation or scriptural interpretation of the various verses and how those also are supportive as the divisions of an army are supportive of the king, the Parivasutra. We continue with the 53rd Anucheda. Pariksit's intelligence firmly established in the stories of Krishna. Srila Jiva Goswami writes in this 53rd Anucheda, this very same thing, Pariksit's mental fixity on Krishna, is understood from the words spoken by Sri Sukha after hearing King Parikshit's request in the 13 verses beginning with 10.1.1, or at the very beginning of the 10th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Jiva quotes a verse from the, uh, the 15th verse um, from the beginning of the 10th canto. O best of saintly kings, your intelligence is properly situated because irrevocable love for the stories of Vasudev has been awoken in you. Jiva paraphrases as follows, although previously you had experienced tremendous delight by my recounting the exploits of various avatars, irrevocable, i.e. permanently established, love has now been awoken in you for the stories of the son of Sri Vasudev alone. In other words, your intelligence is properly situated meaning that it is supremely expert in the aesthetic relish of rasa or bhakti rasa. Some commentary in regards to the Sanocheta. Earlier, Sri Sukha had narrated the stories of many avatars, such as Varaha, Nasringa, and Vamana. Now, however, when Parikshit questioned him specifically about the leelas of Krishna, Sukha declared that the king's intelligence was properly situated, samyag vyavasita. This implies that Sukha considered Krishna as superior to all the other avatars and that his mind was fully established in him. As a result, he was 
able to detect a similar state of consciousness in pariksit. So we can see some uh, continuity of purpose, uh, both in the hearing of Maharaj Pariksit and the narration, the chanting of Srila Sukadev Goswami, both being most enlightened of all the dialogue, the, the, what's really nourishing them and allowing them to nourish each other's um, spiritual taste. Bhava is narrations directly related to the leelas of Krishna. Yuva Goswami continues. Uh, Sukadev Samadhi induced by remembrance of Krishna. We refer here once again to the statement of Sri Sutta Goswami, cited previously in Anacheta 50. O Dwijas, having thus heard the extraordinary deeds of his protector, Sri Krishna, King Parichit, who was entrusted to his grandfather by the Lord of the Yadavas, requested Sukadev to relate more of the same sacred pastimes that have captivated his mind. Yanucheta continues. Thereafter, Sri Sutta said, illustrating Sri Sukha's condition on hearing Parichit's request for Krishna Katha. O foremost of superlative devotees, Sonika, on being thus questioned by the king, Sri Sukha, the son of Bhadarayana, was thereby reminded of the unlimited Lord, Sri Krishna, and the total quantum of his sense functionality was arrested by him. With great difficulty, he gradually regained external consciousness and replied to him as follows. Jiva continues, O unlimited war, Lord, Ananta, here refers to Sri Krishna, whose complete majesty was fully manifest. Although Sri Sukha was established in constant remembrance of him, it is said that he was reminded of him by Parikshit's inquiry simply because Sri Krishna is ever fresh at every moment. So Jiva is just accentuating the the absorption of the speaker, Srila Sukadev Goswami, um, as it has been highlighted um, in the words of Sutta Goswami uh, responding. So Sutta Goswami here is relating to his audience, uh, his observation, because he was present during this great event of Srila Sukadev Goswami enlighten, his enlightenment of Parikshit Maharaj. He was personally present and now 
he's narrating that. So he's he's filling in the he's he, he's setting the scene for his audience. This is what it was like there, and and he's telling Sunaka, who's asking on on behalf of all the other sages of Namasharanya, and he's saying. Uh, He's just relating that this was quite a, quite an event, and the emotional buildup between both Srila Sukadev Goswami and um, Maharaj Parikshit, especially when they enter into the narrations in the pastimes of the tenth canto, was uh, was quite extraordinary for him to observe, and he's trying to relay that to uh, his audience uh, at Namasharanya. So we can see that with great difficulty, he gradually regained external consciousness and replied to him as follows. So this comes up in a few different contexts, but it's mentioned that um, Parikshit's son was there also. And anytime Srila Sukadev Goswami would become so involved in his own Leela narrative that he was drawn himself into a state of internal samadhi in relishing the pastimes that he was sharing with Maharaj Parikshit, he would lose external consciousness, and the king's son would engage in a very profound kirtan at that time to bring him back to external consciousness so he could continue with the Leela narrative. Um, basically in deference to the, to the time constraints that Maharaj Parikshit was under uh, because of, of the, the curse. In seven days, you're going to die. So Maharaj Parikshit was on a clock and he wanted to absorb a, a, as much as he could from, uh, from the Rishi, from Sukadev Goswami, uh, uh, before his time was up. And therefore, sometimes when a speaker would fall into samadhi, uh, you, the audience may, out of deference to the speaker, uh, just uh, allow him uh, to continue on and maybe even uh, depart uh, themselves and just let him remain in his his state of ecstatic trance. But uh, in this particular ins instance, the deference was more to the necessity of Maharaj Parikshit. And therefore, uh, Sukadev was, was always pulled back to the task at hand, his revealing to Maharaj Parikshit uh, the Leela narrative of the Bhagavat Purana. 
little from the commentary here. The questions raised by Parikshit after he heard about the killing of Agasura led Sukha to relate the wonderful pastimes of Brahma's delusion by Krishna's display of supreme majesty. At the mere mention of this leela, Sukha was thrown into the state of samadhi, in which all external awareness was arrested. All of his senses were then drawn inward, becoming absorbed in Krishna, exactly as if he were personally present there. His internal senses being thus awoken, he could smell Krishna's bodily fragrance, hear his sweet words, and so on. According to Sri Sanatan Goswami, he was brought to external awareness again by the performance of loud kirtan accompanied by musical instruments. The word puna again indicates that such a state was aroused in sukha time and again. Whenever this occurred, Pariksit would momentarily experience feelings of anxiety because his time was limited and there was so much more to hear. In such moments, Janamajaya, the son of Parikshit, would lead a kirtan to gently break Sukha's samadhi so that he could continue. Srila Jiva Goswami continues. Sunaka recognizes Sukadeva as a great devotee of Krishna. Again, Krishna stu Bhagavan Swayam. As we go through these various verses that Srila Jiva Goswami is highlighting, we, we are continually brought to the point of the major Leela narratives, the major speakers, those that are sitting at their feet and hearing, there they are all primarily throughout the Srimad Bhagavatam fixated on Krishna. So these are all statements in support of Krishna to Bhagavan Swayam. This is the topmost manifestation of the Supreme Lord. Therefore, after proclaiming King Parishit as a great devotee of Bhagavan in Srimad Bhagavatam 2.3.15, Sri Sunaka describes Sukadeva as having the exact same devotional temperament as the king in the very next verse. The venerable son of Vyas, Sri Sukha, was also fully devoted to Sri Vasudeva. Indeed, in the assembly of holy sages, there are naturally discussions of the gracious qualities of the Lord, whose praises are sung by exalted devotees. But, of course, in the verse here, we see the significance of the, of the pointing to Sri Vasudeva. The word cha also informs us that Sri Sukha had the same temperament as King Parichit, who was described in the preceding verse. Consequently, here also the word Vasudeva must be explained as referring exclusively to Sri Krishna, the son of Vasudeva. 
even in the assembly of other holy sages, satam samagame, there are discussions of the gracious qualities of Bhagavan, whose praises are sung by exalted devotees. So the conversations between these two great devotees certainly must have been predominated by the pastimes of Sri Krishna. This is the intended sense. So again, Jiva Goswami in his Anuchetas is, is pointing out what is the intended sense of these other verses in the Bhagavatams. We can we as students of the Bhagavatam coming in the Gaudiya Sampradaya can, can see these narratives and can read these verses only and, and come away from that reading and hearing only with this sense of purpose that the intent of the speaker, the intent of the hearer, the intent of Srila Vyasadeva himself uh, in representing the Bhagavat Purana was all centered on Bhagavan Sri Krishna. Jiva continues, what more need be said about the fact that Sri Sukadeva's ultimate aim was none other than Sri Krishna? The 10th and 11th cantos, which make up nearly half the book are, and are concerned almost exclusively with Krishna, are themselves proof of this. After concluding in brief the narrations of the other avatars in the earlier cantos, Sukha greatly expanded on Krishna's glories in these two cantos. Therefore, in the very beginning of his discourse, he prayed for Krishna's mercy. This from the second canto, the beginning, near the beginning of Srila Sukadeva Goswami's narr narration to Maharaj Parikshit. This prayer is there. May Bhagavan, who is the husband of Sri, the goddess of beauty, the master of sacrifice, the Lord of all created beings, the ruler of all intellects, the overseer of the universes, the sustainer of the earth, the protector and refuge of the Andakas, Vrishnis, and Satmatas, and the support of the devotees, please be gracious to me. The meaning is self-evident. Some commentary in regards to this Anucheda. The Andakas, Vrishnis, and Satvatas are different clans of the Yadus, in whose dynasty Krishna was, has made his appearance. Srimad Bhagavat has 335 chapters divided into 12 cantos. Out of these, the 10th and 11th cantos contain 121 chapters and are directly concerned with Krishna's Leela and teachings. Apart from these two cantos, there are segments of Krishna's life that are recounted here and there throughout the first and third cantos. Thus, almost half of the book is directly focused on Krishna. The remainder of the Bhagavat may be said to present only a backdrop for that component 
which stands out to form its main body. The narratives related to cosmic evolution and the divine appearances of yore serve only to allow Krishna's delightful human-like pastimes to be seen in the proper perspective. This central focus of the Bhagavat on Sri Krishna thus indicates that he alone is the ultimate aim of both its original speaker and here, Sri Sukadev and Parikshit Maharaj. Going on to the 57th Anucheta. Krishna is the sole aim of Vyas. Next, it is shown that Sri Krishna is the sole aim of Sri Vyasadeva. Srila Vyasadeva also saw that the yoga of unalloyed devotion to Bhagavan, who is beyond sense perception, Adoksaja, is the direct means to extinguish this misery. Knowing all this, the wise Vasudeva composed this Sattvata Sabhita, Srimad Bhagavatam, for the people in general who are unaware of this fact. Indeed, in the very act of receptively and attentively hearing this Srimad Bhagavat, Bhakti to Sri Krishna, the Supreme Person, self-manifests in a person's heart, dispelling lamentation, illusion, and fear. Self-manifests in a person's heart. So the, the power, the Sangha, that's contained in the Bhagavatam itself, being, being itself a literary incarnation of the Supreme Lord. And within that manifestation of the Lord, the Bhagavat Purana, all of his other shaktis and energies also come into play and all of his great devotees are he doesn't come alone whenever krishna manifests he he's with his eternal associates so whether he manifests in vraj whether he manifests in navadweep or whether he manifests in the pages of the bhagavat purana he does not come alone so through the association of his eternal associates, as they make themselves available to us, as the narrators and, hear and hearers of the various uh, leelas and significant spiritual instruction that's included and provided for us in the Srimad Bhagavatam, from that tremendous association, that hearing, receptive hearing, tadvadi pranipatena pariprashnaina sevaya, we ourselves, bhakti comes into our heart, our heart, as mentioned here in this verse. Bhakti to Sri Krishna, the Supreme Person, self-manifests in a person's heart. 
dispelling lamentation, illusion, and fear. We could, of course, go off into discussion of inherency, but I think the words of the verse are self-evident in this regard. Jiva Goswami continues, and he says, the word adoksaja, the Lord who is beyond sense perception, refers to Sri Krishna, since his name is a popular epitaph for Krishna, as in the following verses from the Vasudeva Mahatmya of the Hari Vamsa Purana. Now, Jiva Goswami ventures outside the Bhagavat Purana uh, for some Shastric praman or evidence for the points that he is making uh, for our spiritual benefit. The fierce demoness named Putna, who had assumed the form of a flying witch, was killed by baby Krishna while he slept in a cradle under the axle of a cart. The demoness, who was gigantic, powerful, and terrible to behold, had offered her poisoned breast to baby Janardhan, but was killed by him instead. When the residents of Raj saw the dead witch lying there, they declared, this boy has been born again and should therefore be called a doxaja. He who has been awarded new life from under the axle of a cart. Harivamsa Purana. Jiva continues and says in his Anucheda, such being the case, Vyas uses the word Krishna directly in the second of the two Bhagavat verses quoted above. The author of Sri Bhagavan Mama Kamudi also says, in its primary sense, Rudivriti, the word Krishna signifies the Supreme Brahman who has a blackish complexion like the tamal tree and who suckles the breast of Yasoda. This is so because of the predominance of such usage and because such is the meaning that immediately springs to mind as soon as one hears the name Krishna being uttered. In the Sama Upanishad also, Krishna is directly referred to as the son of Devaki. The sage Agni Ras had imparted this metaphysical teaching unto Krishna, the son of Devaki. Here in the second Bhagavat verse quoted above, the book's fruition is said to be exclusively in Sri Krishna, and by his attainment alone, the Bhagavat's utter completion is accomplished. Some commentary in regards to this Anucheda is given. Vyas is the author of Srimad Bhagavat. Before writing his, this book, he set, sat absorbed in devotional samadhi and was granted a direct vision of the Supreme Person, Sri Krishna, along with his energies. Therefore, 
sometimes the Srimad Bhagavatam is referred to as a, a Samadhi Bhashya or a book that came out of the Samadhi of Srila Vyasadeva. The commentary continues. On the basis of this immediate experience, Vyas composed the book. The two verses cited here are part of the description of his experience and are vital to Sri to Jiva Goswami's understanding of Vyas's intent in writing the Bhagavad. Sri Jiva identifies Adokshaja as Sri Krishna and provides two reasons for this conclusion. First of all, Vyas himself uses the word Krishna in the very next verse. Secondly, according to the description found in Hari Vamsa Purana, Adokshaja is a name of Krishna derived from the fact that he obtained a new life while lying under a cart by escape, escaping Putna's poison. So we can see the, the interesting way that um, we're schooled in the logical presentation utilized by Sri Jiva Goswami and how through that logical presentation, he brings out the fact that the terminology used by Srila Vyasadeva and the nomenclature that of identifying a doxaja as the supreme personality uh, can only be referring to Sri Krishna, Bhagavan Sri Krishna, thus supporting the Parivas Sutra. Others may be able to or provide a different explanation, but I can support my understanding based upon this verse from the Hari Vamsa Purana, wherein the definition of a doxaja specifically refers to the pastimes of baby Krishna in relationship with Putana, Putna and, and her uh, trying to poison him to death. And he actually was unaffected or he came back to life as a different, a different way of, of looking at it and where the, the word adoxaja would be most applicable. These are all very, uh, very much pulling us into uh, this, the various Leela narratives of, of Krishna. And um, we're going to be quite uh, pleasantly uh, rewarded by Jiva Goswami as he takes us step by step, by the hand, he's taken us up to the point of the Parivas Sutra and looking at, looking at all the other avataric descents of divinity uh, as put forth in the beginning of the Bhagavat Purana. And now coming to the, to the key for the Gaudiya understanding, the Parivas Sutra, and gradually, schooling us 
thoroughly in how that Pariva Sutra runs through is, a, is the main support provided through the whole narration of the Srimad Bhagavatam. And fixing our mind on Krishna as he is doing now, step by step, as we come out of the Parivas Sutra, then he's going to introduce us more intimately to Krishna as Krishna reveals himself through the Srimad Bhagavatam. He's going to introduce us to his associates. He's going to introduce us to his places of pastime and introduce us to, to the narration also that we come away from this Krishna Sandarbha, which is the real focus of Jiva's Sambandhagyan. The others, the, the, the Tattva Sandarbha, the Bhagavat Sandarbha, the Paramatma Sandarbha were all laying the groundwork for upon which we could fully apprehend the significance of the original Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna. And now Jiva is, is busy firmly establishing Krishna as he's presented in the Bhagavatam, and he's completing the task of the first four volumes of his Sandarbhas, which are centered on Sambandha Gyan. If we can see how all the threads of these various tattvas uh, are woven together, and that the all the Lord and all of his various energies, how they manifest themselves, then we can, with that firm grounding and that firm ground upon which we can stand in place, then he can take us into now you can enter, let, let me take you into the world of bhakti. And in, our, in his next Sandarbha, he will introduce us to bhakti and firmly establish us in the Abhideya that allows us to ourselves become fully qualified for the ultimate attainment. And then he also gives us that in his Preeti Sandarbha. Pray Bhakti. How is that manifest in the life of a sadhika? So there, there's, there's a lot going on uh, in Srila Jiva Goswami's Satsandarbhas. And uh, 
we're truly blessed to be able to study them and and th through that the tutoring of Jiva Goswami be able to extract the essence which is what the word sandarbha itself means uh, from the Srimad Bhagavatam. We'll continue on to the 58th Anucheda. It may be, uh, seem some redundancy here by Jiva, but he is just pounding the post. We can look at this Pariva Sutra from every different angle, from all the different viewpoints of all the individual devotees in the Bhagavat Purana. And we, as Gaudias, can easily see this entire Srimad Bhagavatam is taking us to Bhagavan Sri Krishna. And so Krishna is the sole aim of Narada. Next, it is shown that Sri Krishna is the sole aim of Sri Narada, who informs Sri Vyasadeva. My dear Vyas, in that place, I listen each day to the enchanting stories of Krishna, mercifully sung by those sages. With each moment that I heard these narrations with faith, love was awoken in me for Bhagavan whose glory is most endearing. The two verses spoken by King Parichit, beginning with 10.7.1, cited in Nanucheta 51, are also relevant in establishing that the word Krishna here refers to the son of Sri Yasoda by the principle of Shruti Samanya, which holds that a word or statement is understood from its general meaning, that meaning which automatically springs to mind on first hearing the word. So, again, Jiva's saying, "I can use, we can use any verse, and we can look at look at things in so many ways." And in this instance here, we can see we're talking about Krishna, the son of Yasoda. And we can see that by using this simple present, the simple, a simplest of presentations, Shruti Samanya. What, what first springs to mind when you hear the word Krishna? And for Gaudias, the first thing that springs to mind is the soda, or the son of Nanda, or the lover of Radha, or the friend of Subal. Narda repeats the word Krishna throughout the Bhagavad. In the statements of Narda in the Bhagavad, repetition of the word Krishna is also seen in verses such as the following. O Brahmana, Vyasadeva, in due course of time, the appointed moment of death appeared like a flash of lightning to me, whose mind was thus fixed on Krishna, who was devoid of attachment and whose heart was free from all taint. 
Elsewhere, also, Narada makes explicit contextual reference to Krishna. Indeed, you, Pandavas, are exceedingly fortunate in this world of human beings because the sages who purify the entire world visit your home where the Supreme Brahman himself, Sri Krishna, resides, disguised in human form. This very Brahman, who is the embodiment of the experience of the unadulterated bliss of liberation, sought after by highly evolved beings, is verily your beloved friend, cousin, intrinsic self, worshipable deity, obedient follower, and preceptor. May he, the master of the sattvatas, whose essential form has not been directly described in truth, even by the likes of Shiva and Brahma, not even through the analytical, analytical power of their intellects, and who is worshipped by us through silence, devotion, and sense control, be gracious upon us. Then he goes to a quote from the commentary in this regard by Sridhar Swami. Swami also comments in this regard. Sri Narda spoke these three verses to King Yudhisthira while lamenting, alas, how great is the fortune of Prahlad by whom the Lord was seen. We, on the other hand, have not been so fortunate. This, is an, this will come to a very interesting conclusion, this Anucheta, which continues as follows. He writes the phrase, Manushyalingam Gudam, disguised in human form, indicates that his bodily composition includes all the characteristics, linga, such as hand and feet, that are particular to human beings as seen in the world. This is the form Rupa being specified by which is meant his Sri Vigraha or divine spiritual body. This form has not been described in truth, Vastu Taya, meaning that because his form is itself the Supreme Brahman, it is impossible to determine what exactly this abiding substance, Vastu, is. As is said in the Vishnu Sahasra Namastotra, his body is ineffable. Anirdeshyavapu. Because, because these verses confer supreme joy, they are repeated again by Narada at the end of the seventh canto. There's some extensive commentary, and then we'll mention a couple points here. <clears throat> the commentary. Sachin Narayan Das explains as follows. There are six criteria, sadlinga, by which an author's intention or the essential message of a book can be assessed. One of them is known as abhasya. The repetition of the principal subject throughout the text. 
In this Anucheta, Sri Jiva Goswami demonstrates that Narada repeatedly refers to own, only to the name of Krishna in his instructions to Vyas and King Yudhisthira. The first verse quoted here was spoken by Sri Narada while recounting the story of his past life to Vyas. The other three verses were addressed to King Yudhisthira after Narada had concluded the story of Prahlad in which he underlined the extraordinary fortune bestowed on Prahlad by Bhagavad Nasringa. On hearing this account, King Yudhisthira, out of humility, began to feel as though he were less fortunate than Prahlad. Sensing this, Narada proclaimed in the three specific verses the, the altogether unparalleled blessings conferred upon Yudhisthira and his brothers. Prahlad was indeed greatly fortunate because Bhagavan Nishringa blessed him with his own direct appearance. Thus, <clears throat> this he did, however, only on one occasion, whereas Bhagavan Sri Krishna, who is referred to as the Supreme Brahman himself, used to regularly come and live with the Pandava brothers in their own home for months at a time. Moreover, he was their intimate friend and also their cousin by relation. Many illustrious sages, whose audience is extremely difficult to gain, used to flock to the capital of the Pandavas on the odd chance that they might get to see Sri Krishna. Consequently, the fortune of Yudhisthira and his brothers far surpassed even that of Prahlad. This brings out such a, a nice and sweet point that in narrating uh, the Leela narrative of Prahlad uh, to King Yudhisthira, Narada saw that he was, he was feeling himself, as all devotees do, uh, in, in their great humility, uh, feeling himself less, less uh, than Prahlad Maharaj. Not that he wanted to be more than Prahlad Maharaj in, a, in any material sense, but wow, Prahlad Maharaj got such blessings from Bhagavan Nishringa, who saved him and, and who dispatched his demoniac father and who took him on his lap and embraced him, uh, even, even to an extent that, that Lakshmi herself was, was set back by, by the affection uh, that the Lord showed to Prahlad. So, Narada sensed this in, in Yudhisthira Maharaj that he was feeling somewhat despondent that I've never, I've never experienced what Pallad experienced in the way Pallad experienced it. 
maybe I'm not such a great devotee of Krishna. Maybe I'm, 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 I'm deficient in so many ways. And sensing this, uh, Narda immediately encourages uh, you to steer. And 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 reminds him of of the significance of his and his brother's relationship with Krishna and how Krishna even served them <laughs> as a menial servant at times and treated them as the closest of friends and spent months living with them um, as a brother would live with a brother so so much so that sages would go out of their way who were not seen hardly at all who never left their hermitages or or uh, uh, came down from the himalayas would 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 flock to the capital of the pandavas just to catch a glimpse of lord krishna and Yudhisthira and his brothers were seeing Krishna day in and day out for months at a time. We also noticed this in Sukadev's narration to Parikshit Maharaj in, a, in narrating uh, the good fortune of certain devotees. He noticed in Parikshit uh, some despondency and some where where Maharaj Parikshit would feel himself inadequate, and then Sukadev would again have to encourage him. And we see, we see in the narr narration uh, those instances coming up repeatedly, so that the the hearer, the student himself, can feel encouraged. And and this is this is the great generosity of of all the gurus uh, that they they are always encouraging their students the, the student is always feeling uh, himself uh, insignificant and uh, in humility uh, feeling himself uh, inadequate in so many ways but the guru will say no you are also there this is this is Maybe for the sadhika, what's coming out is this is your prospect. Someday this will be your page and the Bhagavatam will also be written. So uh, we've spoken for some time here and this seems a good place to, uh, to cut things off for today. If anybody has a question, we can certainly entertain that. And if there are no questions, I will. Thank you so much for your kind association. Vanchakalpatubhyascha, Kripasindabhyavacha, Prapitanam Pamanebhyo. Hare Krishna. Thank you so very much.
Thank you. 